parents want to do what they think is best for their children. So they have very good intentions. But good intentions alone are not enough to get the results. Before she could get a job, the dad offered her a position at his business. And by her own admission, she was disrespectful of time. She was not, she had no commitment. She was the boss's child. So she didn't care much. She just showed up and expected to be paid. What the daddy did next was amazing. Yes, welcome to the Revenge of the Forsaken Gods and I am your host Andrew Balongo Opere. And uh, have you ever wondered, you know, what to do when you're in a crisis and you're trying to move from one place in your career to another place in your career? Or you're in a particular age group and you just notice life is changing and you wonder what do you do in order to move to the next step? Well, to answer this question, I've managed to bring along a transitions coach. He's also a corporate trainer and a uh, executive and life coach. Now, he's had experience working on the five continents on the globe. And some of his clients are the Kenya Education Fund Board, the African Development Bank, and L'Oreal amongst the myriad of companies that he has worked for. And he has been very impactful. And an interesting fact about him is he is an animal lover. This guy loves cats. I tell you, when you say love, not just one cat. And he's in fact, he's even managed to have even his daughter love animals. This guy has not just one, two, three. He has nine cats. So without further ado, the person with uh, more lives than cats and he has worked with people from all over the world across five continents. Welcome to the show, Anthony P.W. Washira. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you for that intro. <laughs> hey, it's the real deal, you know? And, uh, you yeah, know, I'm just, I'm just yeah. honored, you know, and, and tell me, you know, before we start off, what's up with the cats? You know, mm -hmm. even, even, even nine, I think is, is, is the minimal number. You said you had more. Yeah, we actually have had 11, maybe even 12, if I, if I recall correctly. Wow. And it started with, um, we rescued a stray thanks to my daughter and, uh, the stray got pregnant and one of the. Uh, kitten became an adult and got pregnant. One thing led to another, and uh, we have nine cats now. Yeah, but we are we are also generous for other cat lovers who don't have and uh, can find one that they like from amongst our litter. We are willing to share. <laughs> okay, so you heard that if you're you know looking to have a cat within your. Uh, your family, you know, hit up Tony Washira, he'll be able to uh, sort you out. And uh, apart from just being a cat lover, you know, let's, let's go back to the beginning, you know, just being a transitions coach. 
What is that? And how did you get into that? Thank you, Andrew. So transitions in the simplest form or in the, the simplest explanation that I used to share about transitions is a shift or something that affects something that is life changing. And uh, for a, a young person, it could be for them becoming a teenager, the changes that happen during puberty. For a high school child is the transition from high school into university. For university uh, graduate is moving from being under the care of your parents to getting out there and starting to look for work and all the issues that come around that. All those are life-changing situations. For a company, it could be going through restructuring, it could be going mergers. For an adult, it could be getting married or getting kids, losing loved ones. All of those things are transitions because they affect your life and they have a, a prolonged, they, they usher you into a new season. So I help people make those transitions and teams make those transitions smooth and uh, figure out how to find their value uh, and uh, thrive. Why I love doing that is because I think when I look at my own life, I have gone through a fair amount of transitions. I began work immediately after Form 4. Three days after finishing my KCSC, I was employed. I was working at a Kenchik. I was uh, doing, I was behind the scenes, making sure that the potatoes were peeled and cleaning the dishes. It was backbreaking work. I had just come from school. I smelled like potatoes the whole day long. I hated that smell. My shoes were wet whole day long. It was, it, it was difficult, but it taught me so many things. I learned how to work with people. I learned how to respect my elders. I improved my work ethic. Then I, I, I got a step up. A few months later, I got a different job as a waiter. This one was better. I was customer facing. I had a uniform, not the best uniform, but I had a uniform. I got tips. So those were life-changing times for me. I had not even gone to college and I had learned how to make some money. Then I went to college. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Andrew. No, just like, wow. You were going to ask me something. Oh, cool. And then after that, uh, I remember that I, I the, the first time I went to college, I went to pursue something that I didn't really like, uh, but I obeyed my parents. And when I got out, I went back to college now as an adult, as a man making his own money and studied what I wanted to study. So let's then go I back. Uh, a job, you know, what is it yes. that you studied first, the first time around? <laughs> and then what did you study the second time around? So the first time around, I studied something called electrical engineering, and I am not very scientific and uh, struggled through it. I completed it. Uh, it was a diploma. It was a three-year diploma. I completed it. Uh, actually, it was not in vain because it helped me get my first real job. And uh, through that, I was able to make some changes in my career. Plus, in my life today, I like it when I work with engineers, I know how to engage with them. I can speak their language because I went through something. There's a, there's a similarity in the past that I can draw from. So I actually don't believe it was a wasted experience, nevertheless. But I didn't. that's not what I wanted to pursue. So after that, I pursued, I had always wanted to do something in 
media, or at least when I was growing up, I thought that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to stand in front of a camera. So I pursued uh, media studies. I did creative writing. I did, I did journalism, but uh, I was doing some, uh, some distance course, distance courses. I was not doing them. I wasn't doing them uh, here in Kenya. But I went back to do a degree in business management. So I studied business management after that. And later I went back to, I did a postgraduate diploma at USIU that was sponsored by Colorado State University, so which was in entrepreneurship. So those are, and at that time I kind of knew that I wanted to get into business. So yeah, that's what I pursued later. Wow. Wow. Now I'd love to unpack just a little bit of this journey before we move forward. Now you said that uh, even though you didn't appreciate electrical engineering, there were a few changes or a few things that it helped you despite not liking uh, the experience. You know, like you said, it, it gave you your first job. But apart from your first job and having, giving you the skill to speak with other uh, engineers when you're now uh, training them or interacting with them what were the other positive aspects mm -hmm. that uh, uh, that experience helped you with going through the process of course i didn't see the positive aspects until a, a bit later in fact i was very rebellious that was one of the period of my life that was very rebellious because i felt like i was being boxed in i was being coerced to do something i didn't want to but even in terms of friendship, I made some friendships uh, that have stood the test of time. They are few, but at least they are friends that we speak to date. Besides that, I got to appreciate other people and other occupations. It allowed me to see what that field is like and to appreciate different passions because the people that I was in school with really loved what we were doing and some pursued careers in that line. I have met them, they are happy, they are fulfilled. When I tried working in that line, I was not happy, I was not fulfilled. And uh, even when I did get a job eventually, or jobs, I actually got a way of leaving that line and getting into something different in the company that I was working in. Uh, so that was another transition, uh, but I don't I don't want to jump into a different question yet because I was answering what I learned. So I learned to appreciate different that we are very different, and that our passions are different, and that people what I might not like or what I might be weak at, someone else can that can be somebody else's strength, maybe some says areas of weakness and vice versa. Because I really struggled in that uh industry whereas some other people and they have gone on to make careers and uh to enjoy what they do so it has helped me appreciate how different we are and uh, the whole idea of this for me kind of began at that time to see uh, we are offered the same thing some people are ecstatic while others are not so yeah it has helped me appreciate that we are different like that that's awesome. You know, sometimes, yeah, we might be going through a situation that we're not, you know, totally enjoying, but there are advantages that uh, if we can just uh, stop to see, 
you know just the the perspectives that it gives us we can now even allow that to serve us and now you know Agreed. like 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 mm. you're working you know in this job and uh, how how did you make that decision that you wanted to do media mm-hmm. like what exposed you to media that you're just like ah you know what i actually want to go to school for media you know mhm so very interesting question when i was little uh there were this was this was the days of kbc so my dad my dad pointed up out a gentleman who was reading the news and he said that was my classmate and when he was little he wanted to be a broadcaster and i thought wow that's amazing that's he was doing exactly what he wanted to do my passions in school i was good in communication i loved english i liked kiswahili but i was really good in english and uh, arts i was not good in math and i was not very good in science sciences if you were to ask me where i thought my career would end it looked obvious that i was heading to the arts it was that that the when i was growing up it was the age where all parents wanted you to be a doctor a pilot an engineer an architect there were some branded careers but i didn't want any of those i felt that i wanted to do something that was in my area of strength because i was good in communication and uh, the one that i thought was the uh, best career based on what i knew at the time was broadcast journalism i thought i wanted to read news so that's why i wanted to get into media now um did you have the conversation with your dad or you know your parents like you guys forced me through this path i did not want to do electrical engineering <laughs> now that i'm making my money i'm going to learn what i want uh, i know it can be a pretty co- uh, it can be a pretty tough uh conversation and you know i've had stories of how you know people have actually said you know what dad here's your degree mm-hmm. now i'm going to do what i want so you know that's a challenge mm-hmm. we really can't uh, we don't know how to have this conversation with our parents because maybe our parents are very authoritative they're not open minded mm-hmm. so uh you know what kind of how was that conversation for you you didn't have that conversation because now you're making your own money i'm assuming probably you might have moved out so you just decided you know oh i'm just going to school and just doing media okay so i tried to have the conversation before and uh, like most young people i i have come to learn that it's not what you say it's how you say it then i did know how to say it so i am coming to my parents and saying that this is not what i want and kind of trying to force my ways my parents are doing this whatever cost they want me to take they believe it is the best decision for me so in hindsight i don't blame them too much they thought they were doing good by me so we were both wrong they were they were wrong in sending me in that direction but i was also wrong in the way i approached it so the, the conversation did not go very well and since i was not going to pay for myself i had to bow to the pressure because 
do you think you can uh, you know i know it might be tough but do you think can you sort of remember how the conversation went like you know obviously you won't remember it word for word but you know just it's one thing to say that you did it wrong but you know as someone who is a yes. trainer you're so used to say, setting up a scenario where someone does something and then now you can give them feedback and say okay you know this one you did a little bit wrong yeah you know i remember because i was freer with my mother i said i'm not going to that school i told her i'm not i don't want to study that and that's that and she said no and, and then my, my father laid down the law <laughs> <laughs> oh Wow, yes, wow, yes. The, Definitely uh, no parent is going to tolerate uh, their younger ones speaking to them like that. Like yes. yes. <laughs> I, I, I had no money and I'm here saying no, I'm not going there. I want to go there, not there. And uh, yeah, it went south for me and when that check checked in and he laid down the law, I went to the same place I had said I would not go. Now fast forward to when uh, you know you're actually doing this media thing. Did you have an extra conversation with them or you didn't have any patch up conversation where you say oh you know I'm sorry okay but uh, you know I think I should have spoken to you better. I didn't know uh, how to uh, approach no, this subject with you. Really? Okay. Now that you mention it no we never revisited that conversation. I felt I was the one that was agreed and uh, i was rebellious uh but i went through my time in college and i completed the course and when i got a job uh it's when i realized that i'm not actually happy doing this it's not something that i want to continue doing all my life and uh, i thought i'm making some money let me look online and see what i can study and i studied mass media i studied creative writing i studied some some courses mm-hmm. and uh, what uh, what are these some courses you know someone listening might be curious uh-huh. uh, you know just to find out you know they might have heard you speak and and, and experience your okay. skill level and might be curious to know uh-huh. because probably the, sk- the 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 courses you're taking are not maybe not common you know they might be told i want you to do electrical engineering Uh, so i remember a friend of mine who knew that i was passionate about journalism and uh, mass mass communication they they, there was a short course offered by daystar and it was in conjunction with a development partner i can't remember who they were sida 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 is uh is an NGO so they were working together with Daystar so they offered uh, a short course they were training people to write and highlight to actually communicate and highlight environmental matters so they were using the media to highlight environmental issues to get people to take action and to stop all this wanton pollution at, from the from the grassroots so I went for that short course and I loved it. Uh, uh two years later I went for a, a second uh a second like a level 2 of the same. So that, those ones were local and uh, we were taught we were being trained by Desta faculty, we were trained how to shoot videos, how to edit videos, 
and we went and did a practical course uh, coursework. We, we, we went to, I remember in my, I think it was the second, the second level where I went to Lolongo and, and I was a director and we shot a video that was actually used in the environmental cleanup at Mlolongo. So we went there, we interviewed people, we shot a couple of, we, we shot uh, videos there to highlight the problem there for them and used that to help them more aware of that, that they should actually take care of the environment. And I love that. I enjoyed that so much. But uh, that was not enough to get me a job in the in the mainstream media, obviously. I It was a short course. There were short courses. And that's why now I ventured now into looking for courses that I would take while working. And I did some, I got some schools in the UK. Actually, it, it, they used to advertise a lot in the, in the nation those days. They were called the Writers Bureau College of Journalism. So my first uh, real course, complete course I took from the Writers Bureau, it was calling it a comprehensive writing course. I still have the material here. And uh, later I saw they also had a business writing course. So I did, those were diplomas, so I did those. By that time I was knee deep in a different job. And uh, I think I had given up the dream of working in a media house. <laughs> so, so currently at this point, what work were you doing? Yes, good. So this is very interesting because it ties in with the earlier story of transition. So after, after getting my graduating from college with the, my electrical engineering diploma, I worked for a construction company. It was called Mogoya Construction. That was, uh, they were doing some road in my county of Nyeri. So I got a job there. I worked there for a year. And what were you doing? My contract ended. I eventually I started as a, as a, they were calling me a high power electrician. So my job was to deal with the, they'll have a lot of connections. They have a lot of work on the construction site that requires lighting and machines that require an electrician. I was so new to be very honest. I was not good at it. That's, that's the truth. I was not good at it. And, uh, I found this senior. My senior was experienced. He was good. He knew this place like the back of his hand. And uh, and he didn't like me much. <laughs> he didn't like me much. So so I, I remember the, the first day that I reported, I mean, this is crazy. I came in dressed like I was going for, a, for an interview. So I have a nice shirt. Uh, I didn't have a jacket, but I had a nice shirt and a, a nice pants, dress, dress pants and... And, and some nice shoes. This guy made me walk through thin spaces that were full of dust. The construction site is very dirty. I didn't have a dust coat. You should have seen me an hour into the job, an hour into my work day. He, he made sure I was jumping through windows. He made sure that I was going in between the generator and the container that was full of dust. My goodness. I was, it was hazing, man. Uh, that was my introduction to the world of work. But lucky for me, there was a, there was another gentleman there who who was into mentorship for some in, in a weird way. He he just wanted to mentor someone. So when I was being taken through orientation, 
he was uh, doing the work of uh, it's, he was operating a plant called the asphalt plant, the one that mixes the the tarmac. Mm. In the he big, said, I want this guy. Yeah, yeah, it's a big tube. Yes. So he said, I want this kid. He asked me a couple of questions. He uh, brought out some diagrams. He just wanted to test my knowledge. I said, What is this? And I I, I named it. What is this? I named it. Said, Okay, looks like you you actually went to school. So he asked the electrician, I want this guy. Can I have him work with me here at the asphalt plant? The electrician was glad to release me. He didn't like me anyway. So I kind of got a better deal working at the asphalt plant because the, the cubicle was closed. So there was less dust and I was operating buttons and a big, uh, it, it was fun at the beginning. I, I used to say it's just the thrill of man and machine with a few buttons I could create an earthquake because I could just press it and then the whole, the, the machines would start <laughs> rotating and the place would shake. I love that feeling. <laughs> no, you remind, you remind, you remind so, me of all these movies, you know, where we see the, the villain, we're like, ha, 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 I can change the world with the power of a button. <laughs> that was me, man. That was me. <laughs> yeah. So after a year, I was laid off because of completion of works and I was jobless again. So the next job that I got was in Nairobi. And now uh, I, I, work, I was working with a multinational. I was working with DHL Express. Okay, so before, loved, we, get, um, so before we get into DHL Express, allow me to, to, to rewind back and then come back forward to that. So, okay. uh, you know, you mentioned that you enjoyed... Uh, learning, uh, you know, about environmental issues. What, yes. what were the key main learnings of, of doing that program? Like, what were, did they highlight that? What are people not doing when they're talking about the environment? Where are they failing? And, uh, you know, what were three big, ah. yeah, what were three big learnings that, you know, you got from that program that maybe you could share with us regular normal people that we, we need to know, but you know, we don't need to go to this environmental program to, to be exposed to it. Okay. I look for three. One of the things that I learned and that I practice, it's as simple as don't litter. I practice that, I've taught my daughter that, and I'll give you a nice example. We went to visit her grandpa and her grandpa is, is actually a very, a very clean guy. This day, I don't know what got into him or he's developed a, a, a habit. He put a bit of trash from his car in a little uh, plastic, was it even plastic? I don't remember, a little bag. And when we were driving, he tossed it somewhere. He got a tongue lash from his grandchild about littering. I, I, I was having a field day because I'm trying to pretend that I can't hear what's going on as there. He's trying to ex explain. And, and she's not letting up until at some point I had to intervene and say, all right, all right, all right. okay, sweetie, let's, let's leave grandpa now. Because <laughs> he threw it outside. Because we don't do that where I come from. That, she doesn't go any other way. So the first thing that we can all do anywhere is don't litter. So what does that mean? It means that when I carry a plastic bottle, when I buy something, I carry my trash with me and go and dispose it myself. So the ways of disposing, unfortunately, are not very effective because we don't have all the equipment. We do, our landfills are not, they don't work the way that they should. But I learned this, that the environment has got a carrying capacity, which I've never forgotten. So that uh, if I burn trash on a, uh, 
my little trash and I don't uh, I don't I don't over the environment can take that kind of abuse it's that's not too much abuse because smoke is not good and burning plastics is not a good idea but the environment does have a carrying capacity it means it can take that so we have disposed of that trash and the the trees are going to give us uh, oxygen and you know the, the environment has a way of cleaning itself there's a carrying capacity our problem is that sometimes we put uh, like like dandora we put trash in the same place for so long it is beyond the carrying capacity of that environment so now it becomes a problem so if we can dispose of our own trash ourselves i think that's a that's a good way and then separation separation of trash if you live in a place where you can separate your trash that is a big one so that if something is biodegradable you throw it where it can rot and become part of the soil if it is uh, not biodegradable then you find the best way to dispose that there are some places in Nairobi where they actually separate and uh, you can go and toss those there if you live near there if it is yourself you you, you can there are people who collect plastics for resale or for whatever you can keep those aside and give those to them i have done that in many many of the places i have lived i i separate my trash and i don't litter so those are two things um i don't have a third one but those are things that anybody can do separating your trash and disposing it yourself and not littering carrying it if it's a bottle i mean it's not too difficult when if i was carrying it when it had a soda in it or water in it by all means i can carry it when it is empty <laughs> oh there's one last thing mm-hmm. especially for water instead of buying bottled water all the time you can buy you can invest in one good bottle uh there's the correct plastic i forget what it is called there's good plastic that does not give you the plastic poisons that contaminate your water so you could buy that and be filling that with water and carrying it with you if you walk if you have a bag or Yes, uh, what we can do is uh, you know, you can research that and give it to me later so I can add it in the show notes below for those who are interested in knowing that so that they can be able to get that later on. Okay. I'll do that. Yes, and also you you mentioned there's a place where you can take this trash to after you've separated it. For those who want to know where that place is, you know, locally here in Nairobi that is. Okay. Uh where is that? Okay. Uh, I was talking about places different places where depending where you live if uh, some malls some malls have got uh, plastics they've got paper and they've got they, they divide their trash into three so it, it's a lot of trouble and not not many of us are willing to go through that trouble but you could do that for the sake especially for the sake of that trash that is not biodegradable because if it is biodegradable you can find places to take it depending on where you live if if you if you live in the concrete jungle now that's too bad because there are not many places where you can take that so i was thinking of malls when i was talking about places you could take uh, okay. because those are not too far from from where we live yes all right thank you for that yes. and uh yes now we can move uh you know before we now we come back to DHL story Um how did you get this job for the construction considering that you didn't have any experience at all and you know how getting a job without the qualification is very difficult 
So at least I had uh, I had done attachments. I while I was in college, and I I knew I knew a couple of things. I knew in my view, I knew the simplest things. It's this is crazy. I went through a three year course, and I didn't come out knowing how to do the job I was being trained for through networks. Networks. I like to use that word because. Uh, my mom had done some work for one of the bosses at the company and they had gotten to know each other and she asked him i have a young son who is looking for work and this is what he studied and uh, he said okay i'll see if there's work for him and uh, there was a slot for a junior electrician so the paper is the one that got me the two things my college education and the networks because my mom knew somebody there she asked him if i could get a job there and uh, lucky for me they sent me to go see the foreman at the site and he told me okay yeah you can report on a certain date so that's how i so I attribute that to two things. At least, even if I didn't know how to do it, I had a paper that said I did. And then uh, there was a network connecting me to someone in there who allowed me to go see the foreman and be allowed to come. Uh, after all, I possessed papers that were saying that I could do the job. True, true. Until I got there and realized, until I got there and realized that it was harder than I thought. <laughs> I didn't know how to do that job. Yes. Wow, and I think that's one of the challenges of our, let me not say school system, but they don't teach you what's in the real world. So by the time you get there, uh, I think, mm-hmm. you know, even w- with the amount of uh, resources, you know, school has, mm. I believe it does have the capacity to at least expose you to real world situations. At least that you're sort of ready you know, whether it's 20%, at least within the range of 20 to 50%, you know, you can't know, you can't be fully ready for the real world, but I'm just saying task wise. So, uh, I agree. And, uh, you know, and I think another thing that they don't prepare you for is, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, that sometimes your, the work that you do is project based. Because we talk about mm. having a stable job, uh, you know, so we're thinking, yeah. oh, once I have this, oh, I'm going to have it for X amount of years. But then, uh, mm. you know, once, you know, how did you behave now once your construction job was over because that was the nature of the assignment? Mm. By reality, there was no other yeah. opportunity to continue on. How did you now, were you able to transition uh to now get the DHL assignment? Uh, actually, it took a while before I got the DHL assignment and I tried a couple of things. I produced a music album and wow. uh, tried, to, tried to sell that. What's the name of the album and, and uh, what, what, kind of, uh, what kind of music? <laughs> it was gospel music. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it, the the name is it's just a storm it will pass away, 
Wow. wow. I, now, now did you have did you have like a gospel uh, name or you just went by you know Tony P W Mwashira? <laughs> I actually I did um because I didn't continue. I did have a gospel name at the time. The the production was by Priceless. So I learned that the name Anthony actually means priceless. So I used that as the the yeah, the band name i was doing it with my girlfriend at the time who is my wife today so we actually produced an album in the early 2000s so <laughs> wow although before wow. then i tried to produce a newsletter yeah before that i actually tried to produce a newsletter for young people so i was still into development of uh, skill development kind of because i was a youth leader in church mm-hmm. so i was still kind of in the, and th- and this i was doing even as i was uh, finding my way and looking for a career i was still developing as a volunteer yeah so from some of the issues that i was seeing with the young people i'm very really proud of because i i did it for three months and i broke even all three months but i couldn't raise a team to work with and it was too much work for one guy uh, i was i had a, i had a dream of producing an album and uh what was what was the level of work that it's entailed in that aha so i didn't have contributors so i had to write most of the content myself i didn't have money so i had to do the editing i had to do the designing i had to take it to the printers i had to distribute it myself i had to collect the money so it was a one man show i could get some people to distribute it in their churches but i was needed to come and and introduce it and uh, uh say a little bit about it so i i didn't have any business mentor or a mentor of any type so if i had something like that that things would have been very different hmm. so when the going got tough and uh I could record music. Music recording was much easier than selling the newsletter. So I, op- I opted to do the music recording because it had more perks than uh, than writing the, the newsletter. I was doing it with my girlfriend, so the, yeah, there was that little was easier in terms of the the work the workload on me. It was easier and fun. Singing is fun. The the streets trying to go to this church and that church and the other one was difficult it was hard it was hard so i elected to take the easier route but uh, it was not sustainable because now after producing it there is a selling part which was not easy yes so it didn't go too far but i still have the music <laughs> wow wow uh, yes yeah. one of these days we would love to hear this uh, you know this is a uh... You know, I'm sure just like the way you you've shared your your uh your love of animals with your daughter, you know. You've you've you created music that inspired, yes. you know. And uh like you've mentioned yes. here, it's one of the things that uh, helped you uh, solidify your relationship with your uh, to be wife at the time. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> But so, something interesting Andrew that I neglected to mention that newsletter that I was publishing was called I had called it the influential and that's in the year 2002 I think it was called the influential 
today, that's the name of my business. My business is called The Influential. Wow. Uh, if you can see this. Yes, I can see it. So it inspired. Yes. So it inspired me when I decided to name my practice. I call it The Influential. How did the name come about? I remember trying to look for names and I was influenced by John Maxwell's maxim of leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And I was, after reading his 2021 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, and I remember that I was looking to inspire young people to not lead by title because my leadership, the, the leadership role I had was not per se by title. It was, I had volunteered and I had been accepted. I had been accepted as the leader of these young people. Uh, and it was mainly because of my gifts and my and I thought that I wanted to replicate that kind of mindset where you don't have to wait to be appointed. And I was really young. And I, in hindsight, solid. You have to apply the word influence somewhere there. And I think that's how the influential was born. Because I had guests even from my mother, but I still remember my mom had called it the spotlight. She may not recall, but I recall that's that's the suggestion she had given me. I elected to go with the influential. Wow. So I liked it so much. I, I have now picked it up as the as the name of my business. And my website is the influential.co.ke. Wow. So you, you can see I can I really like it, yes. Yeah. So so talking about influential. You mentioned, mm -hmm. you know, allow us to just to go a little bit back uh, before we come forward again. You mentioned yeah. that your first mentor that you really mentioned was a mentor to you was the asphalt uh, manager, if I can call him Plant. that. Yes. What yes. was it that he imparted onto you, if you can recall? What are three things that you can just pick out? You know, and also let's be honest, the, the, the guy that didn't like you also helped you mm. find clarity with the, not this mentor person, you know? So maybe what, maybe what are three lessons you learned from the electrician uh, person? And then what are three lessons you learned uh -huh. from your asphalt mentor? How are they influential to your life? Wow. Andrew, I love your questions, by the way. Let me just say that because they are helping me think of some things that I never thought of. So thank you very much for that. Oh, thank to be very you. honest. Welcome. Yes. Yeah. So I learned something from the electrician that it doesn't have to be kind. This gentleman didn't know me, but he was totally unkind. Then I get to this other little office and uh, this other man does know as well. But he decides to take me under his wing and treat me very differently. Same location, they're meeting me for the first time they don't know me one of them decides to take me under his wing the other one is happy to kick me to the curve you 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 go and to be very honest i was very happy how things panned out there are still good people out there and uh, 
I learned this, and I, I could be wrong, but I think that uh, there are people who like you for nothing. And I think that there are people who dislike you for nothing. They, they don't have a reason. They just met you and they like you. There are others who meet you and they don't like you, like, like it happened to me that day. So I choose to be to, to give people the benefit of doubt. And I have learned over the years something, I call it, it it's empathy. I, I like, I don't know where you're coming from. I'd rather have positive thoughts about you and be wrong than the other way around. Hold negative thoughts about you, I just met you, and then be right. I'd rather the other way. I'd rather have believed that you're a good human, that we could work together, that this is awesome, and then be proved wrong. I'd rather that. I'll give everybody a chance when, uh, if, if, I, if, if I can. Not in a social, when somebody will reach out to uh, with a, and I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Even when students will just reach out and even if I forget to respond and I notice that I forgot, I will still make the effort to respond to them. I have learned that it costs me nothing. And sometimes I'll even offer tips, advice for free uh, because it costs me nothing to do that and especially for these young people who are coming out of school and into this world of work. Uh, they, I think it would be nice for them to see some kindness because the world is really rough. Yes, now that you are, you're talking about uh, kindness, I'm going to move forward mm -hmm. uh, a little bit and then come back. And as you've mentioned, you've written okay. several articles on LinkedIn. Um, mm. You know, for example, uh, there's one that you've spoken about uh, are you aged between 18 to 35 and you're anxious about the uh, the direction <laughs> your life is taking, especially when you compare yourself with your peers on social media? And you talk about quarter yes. life crisis is real. And we're used to mm -hmm. hearing this with, uh, you know, with people when they get old, you know, midlife crisis in their 50s. But talking about quarter yes. life crisis, uh, you know, tell, them, <laughs> tell me more about that. Wow, I, I love this. this. I'm still passionate about young people. That has never changed. And uh, I came across this crisis from reading and from research. And it is a crisis that affects largely young people from the age of 18. Interestingly, it can go up to the mid-30s. And we actually were in a call we had done a webinar with another lady that i work with on this project from south africa and we were astonished one of our participants and they were coming in from europe and they were 38 38 sounds like someone who's approaching midlife and they were saying that their crisis is not the midlife it is the quarter life and the quarter life is defined the, the definitions are interesting, but it, it's a confusion state. So we are, you are in confusion. So think about a young person who is coming out of college where they were shielded, where they were protected. Then they are coming into the world of work. So they are, the first thing that hits them, and I remember this happened to me, is taxes. I remember 
I was told that I would get uh, paid X amount of shillings and my payslip comes and I'm getting X minus B and I'm asking, I'm calling the accountant. Why did you remove the B? Nobody ever took time to tell me to explain to me about taxes. And this guy, he was mean, he was telling me, do you use roads? Do you use infrastructure? <laughs> and that's usually one of the, it hits you like a ton of bricks. You have to pay taxes. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's it's so funny. It's funny, but it's not funny. But yeah, that taxes thing is one of yeah that shock. You know, and you're just like like what the f? You know, I'm told the salary is yeah. You know this, but take yeah. home is different. And then you get less. Yes, yes, yes. So without proper mentorship, and that's 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 a differentiator. You don't get someone who's explaining this. They're telling you ah. They're paying you 50K. Why are you excited? You get your 50K on top of the slip, but the bottom line is different from the top line. And you're thinking, how now? And you are depressed. So that's just one of the issues that these young people have to deal with. Then there is all these expectations from parents from a different generation. Uh, our parents, like I was telling you earlier, there is what our parents consider success. There's want the career trajectory to look like so pressure that comes from our parents. Then there is our comparisons of our lives and the, the, the lives of our peers because we went to school together. This one, this one, they seem like their life is going the way they had planned. While mine looks like it's taking a different trajectory. There's those comparisons that. Uh, Social media does not help a lot because there's a lot of fakeness. A lot of the younger people will want a life that is not real and we are trying to keep up with that. And there's also the fear of missing out. So we are always on, these young people are always on social media and instead of help, that doesn't help them much. If anything, it's, it brings more anxiety. It takes away their attention. And uh, they have been accused of refusing to grow up. In fact, the research out there about these young people refusing to grow up is, is uh, overwhelming. The award that they have been given, they've been called the Peter because Peter Pan is more a character in the West. You know, he refused to grow up. He was not growing old. So they've been called that. So some of them will leave home and come back home. Some of them will stay home for long. So they seem like they are refusing to grow up because of the, the things that they exhibit. In the workplace, they don't understand deadlines. I was speaking with a friend the day before yesterday who she's a lecturer and a consultant. And I was asking the very question about quarter life. And I was asking what she has seen. And she was telling me that uh, these young people have been told they are special which is not a bad thing, but the way that that messaging has gone overboard so, so that when they come to the workplace and they are not treated, quote unquote, as special, they feel like it doesn't work. And so they're not committed, they're not disciplined, they, they, they're not willing to work hard. So they, they're not willing to grow up. So, so, so when they find them crisis of uh, what does life look like for me up front. So it's looking, they look ahead and there's a blur. So they're very confused because 
of all of these issues when they uh, put together. And when you're saying uh, I, this, I think I've given a winded, yeah. No, I appreciate your, uh, you know, what you've given, and uh, yeah, um, you know, I just have a question. Something came to mind just as you started sharing that. But isn't this a generational yeah. problem combined with what I would call the electrician, the attitude of the electrician guy? And, and 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 the way and the way that tax and the way that tax guy spoke to you, I think mm-hmm. now that's the attitude of the adults that are in in positions of power, especially in learning institutions, because mm-hmm. you can see just like you've said in that environment, that one same environment of the construction company, this one person. Imagine if this electrician was the president as opposed to the asphalt guy you could see how you could really mm. thrive under the asphalt guy where if you could have problems it's easier to address the problems but because of the attitude of the electrician guy your problems mm. just go out of control so if you're especially the things you've cited discipline discipline is a learned skill i watch discipline by watching yes. you doing your thing and i simulate it mm. Discipline is not different than walking. How do kids learn walking? By observing the adults, they try. And then when they fall down, what do you tell the kid? Stupid, you don't know how to walk. Mm. No, no parent tells their kid that. You know, parents are like, yeah, go on, try, try until you get it. You can do it. I feel our adult industry have dropped the ball in how a human lands those particular skills they desire out of that human. I don't know. What what are your thoughts around that? I would agree with you 100%. In fact, even uh, the person viewing said this, that uh, I asked her, what would you tell managers of these young people and that they need to learn that they have a parenting role. So you've hit it head the very same thing that they you you take take on a young person don't expect that they know and uh reminiscent of me when i left college and i had three years of training i hit the industry and i realized i don't know anything so from the get-go let's not assume that and let's not blame them let's take them on knowing that we have a mentorship component and a coaching component in component. We have all different tools to employ and we don't have to worry whether it's a coaching issue or a training issue or a mentorship issue. We combine them. We combine them. We can agree. We, 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 we communicate very clearly. We set our expectations and we set repercussions so that they get into this thing with their eyes open, with understanding. Then we guide them so that we are there to ask questions and to listen without judging and to advise when we need to advise and to teach when we need to teach. So I totally agree. I, I like that you had called it the adult industry. So I'm using that in jest. So the adult industry has to realize that we are not we need to invest a bit more in these young people 
Wow, wow, that's that's very powerful. I cannot add, and I'm excited that at least you're doing, um, you know, workshops around this. Uh, um, yeah. Is this is this a one-off, or do you do this often, like after every so often, um, so that people can get more information about the workshop, so that they can be just uh, taken through this process? We uh, we are currently doing it uh, after every two months. We are working to see if we can be able to do it monthly. So it's a continuing uh, uh, training. It's a continuing workshop. And who is it specifically for? Not just the is it just the eighteen to thirty five year olds only, or not necessarily? Uh, so we we will have workshops tailored for managers of eighteen to. 35 year olds or managers of this younger generation. And in, because we've received queries from parents as well, wanting to figure out what's happening with my kids because they, they advise, they don't ask questions, they advise. And uh, a lot of times their advice is not being taken by their kids. And they, that has brought a lot of conflict. So we even hope to target parents to help them sort of bridge that gap so that they can know how to approach this thing. And from your experience, why do you think that mm-hmm. the the 18 to 35 year olds or whoever is in a position where they are under parent are not taking their parents' advice? Uh, my experience, and uh, I, I like this because it relates to, to my life in a sense. I'll take you back to the story of me wanting to study something different that hasn't changed much parents want to do what they think is best for their children so they have very good intentions but good intentions alone are not enough to get the results then the other side the children they are now more they have more tools, they have more access to information because of the internet and because of uh, just the exposure that's there. And so they are more exposed, they have more options than their parents had. So we are reading from different scripts. And uh, sometimes the way that they will express it will not be received very well. Maybe because of history, maybe because of a barrier in understanding. It could be any of the reasons. So that is a is a is one of the things that will bring these conflicts. Now, in my case, I ended up having to follow my parents' advice. I know cases where kids have refused now nowadays. It, 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 in my day, the people that you are saying would bring a degree to their parents and say, this is yours. I know them too, those ones of our, of our time. Now, the, the, the younger generation of now, they will jump ship and go live with one of their buddies who has a studio or who is a YouTube influencer or who works online. They, they have more options. And so the problem is a little bigger now than, than what we, we thought we had then. And, and um, yeah. just to summarize what we've been talking about, maybe could you say what are three mistakes that the adult industry are mm-hmm. doing? Uh, what can we maybe say also three mistakes that the young uh, 
the young people, you know, the 18 to 35 are doing, but also let's acknowledge what are three mm. then learning, uh, three takeaways that we can get from this conflict, so to say, or this mismatched perspectives, just to summarize this point. My view is that uh, the bulk of the blame will fall to the people with authority. So it is the adult industry, the parents, the leaders, whoever is older, because these young people did not bring themselves up. They were brought up by someone. So they were learning the things they were learning. They were learning from someone. The behaviors that they have picked, all of these things. Uh, so I, I want to, I would like to address the, the parents, and I am a parent. I'd say that we need to invest more in young people than, than we have been doing. And investing more means investing money, investing time, investing various resources in equipping good citizens, citizens who are upstanding, citizens who have good morals, who are just, who are kind, and who are who understand that the world is complex and are willing to continue learning. We are not doing that. We are busy chasing after money and working hard and uh, learning more, getting more degrees. By the time we are looking back, we have a teenager in the house and we are no longer cool. So they don't, they don't listen to us because we were busy outside of the home. So by the time we are coming back, we can't recognize the child. There's no longer a child. This is a teenager or a young adult. So I think that the first thing that the parents need to do is to invest. And it's, it's a holistic sort of investment. Another thing that parents need to do is to ask questions without, without providing solutions immediately. Uh, I asked this question to my friend and she was telling me when, I, when a young person tells you that they are overwhelmed, the first thing that we parents want to say is that, no, you are not overwhelmed. And instead of doing that, we want to find out why do you feel that way? Or what situations, what has made you come to that conclusion? So to listen with empathy, without judging, without giving a solution just yet. And when we want to give a solution, we ask for permission. May I suggest something? as opposed to shoving it down their throats and making them, them do this, because the conflict will not end if we keep doing things the same way. So investing and then asking, those are two main ways. And then not, not comparing ourselves with them too much. Sometimes parents want their children to leave their dreams. So we don't have a doctor in this family and I always wanted to be a doctor or I had hoped we'd get a doctor so you will be a doctor or you will be a lawyer, etc., etc. So I think we need to realize, we parents need to realize that they are unique, they are different and that they are living in a very different time than the time that we grew up. They are growing up at a very different time. We need to respect those generational cohorts, we need to respect that they actually exist and that there's nothing wrong with any generation because in particular, the millennials and the Generation Z have not received a lot of love. They have, if anything, they're the subject of uh, the worst jokes. They're the subject of uh, all the negative publicity. 
But the honest truth is that we need to meet halfway instead of thinking that our good old days or that our ways are better. It, it doesn't work like that. And I think that last thing that you've mentioned, all the hate that the millenniums are getting mm-hmm. is actually not even from the millenniums themselves, but from the older people. So I guess, you know, the question needs it's to be true. asked, uh, you know, older generation, mm-hmm. what is it that you are trying to say that you do not know how to communicate that you are, you feel putting us down is the answer to make mm-hmm. your point? Obviously, there's a difference between us, maybe it's skill level or perspective or what have you. But just because you've made it in the way that you made it, and maybe those opportunities, the way you made it, are not available now. And it's like, I think Mm -hmm. what we are experiencing is we're trying to navigate this territory and the map has changed and there are no details on the map. Especially from the adults that are talking bad because they were guided for the most part or they were supported. Mm-hmm. And that support that they had is not being given now. So, in reality, how can anyone move forward in life without support? I think maybe that's a question just from my eyes, just from what you've shared. I'll take it. I'll take it. Because what they need more than anything is mentorship. They just need, we all love to be respected. We all want to count. So when we shut them out, when all we highlight is the negatives and uh, we are not going, the kids that we are going to get are, are going to be kids. They have to be kids first. So they'll be a different generation. We're not going to get adults becoming kids. So if we realize that and start cultivating the values that we think they should have, at the very least, the values and mentor them, and it's a good place to begin, as opposed to trying to shape them when they are older, when they are coming to work. And, and, and I, liked, I like that, uh, in a sense, some of the problems are still uh, are, uh, have not changed. Like the fact that uh, we went to college and we went, we came to a workplace without having skills. Luckily for us, because some people had invested some time, we had been trained on work ethics, or we were lucky enough, like me, to get a job immediately after Form Four, where which was difficult, which was hard, and taught me a couple of things. Perhaps that molded me to become a person with good work ethic. What about a person who has lived all their life without working? And it's not their fault. Their parents did not give them work. Their parents employed servants for them. They went for holidays. They were not taught their value of work. Then you give them a job. I was talking to a lady, interestingly, Andrew. She was telling me that uh, <clears throat> she went to the UK to study. So by all indications, she had a very good upbringing. And uh, she was privileged. So she came back. And before she could get a job, the dad offered her a position at his business. And by her own admission, she was disrespectful of time. She was not, she had no commitment. She was the boss's child. So she didn't care much. She just showed up and expected to be paid. What the daddy did next was amazing. He fired her like she was terminated. (laughs) 
and she was told now you things can't work like this so she was fired and she was welcome home so now that you don't have a job you can move back home and she took the offer she moved back home and then she realized hey this life is difficult so she made amends and went back and asked for her job back uh but with a different attitude and uh she was given her job back with a new attitude and she grew to run the same business she grew to run the same business so it's amazing that, that they can be trained you see she was coming with a different attitude and she had she had been brought up well but uh the way she started so they, they in other words they can be formed but you see some of them will come and admit to you that uh, if they are not used to something they will come with their attitudes and they will behave in the wrong way but they can be shaped wow wow that's yeah. so powerful a, a sense of attitude in fact i think you've hit the nail on the head you know uh, this attitude of entitlement mm. i'm not surprised if you mm. if someone has access to whatever it is they need why do they need to apply themselves only now until these privileges are revoked and you are told you have mm-hmm. no powers here you have to uh, pull your own weight uh, that's when people step up to the plate so i think you know to be honest uh, you know a parent's job is very hard uh, i think it's much difficult than a ceo in my opinion you know a ceo can hire people for, for this for that for this you know they can hire a coach <laughs> like you you have so many departments yes but a parent yeah they don't know who to hire for what you have your own biases as a father as a mother you think you know the best you don't have the humility to say okay i lack mm. this particular skill set or knowledge in this area i can pay coach tony washira for this tony come in and intervene and teach them the skills they need so i i i give my heart out to everyone who's a parent out there I I salute mm. you. You have the hardest job on the planet. May you may you get the help you need to 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 guide those who are under you to to the lives yes. that they're able to stand on their two feet and make an impact in their lives and in others. Yes. I agree. Yes. Thank you for tuning in to the Revenge of the Forsaken Gods podcast. This is the end of part 1 where we have been speaking with Anthony P.W. Washira, who is a transformational and transitions coach. Some of the things we have been speaking in this episode are how he did two degrees of which the first one was his parents' choice, some of the learnings that he got from his mentor and his hater, and the quarter-life crisis, amongst many other topics. Stay tuned for part two, where we'll be talking about how he was forced to rest and how he dealt with grief, how he got into DHL and comparing the difference between local and multinational companies and three things that hold people back together with three tools that to help you gain control of your life thank you very much for staying tuned to the revenge of the forsaken gods you can watch us on youtube or listen on your preferred podcast platform from apple podcast afripods to spotify If you like anything that you have heard here, please do share a comment on your preferred platform and remember to like and subscribe at Revenge F Gods Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube or your preferred podcast platform. Thank you and have a great day.